Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 184, The Overflow, A Personal Testimony. Before I start, I wanted to share something. Uh, Last night there was something on NBC and it was basically a British program where it says an audience with Adele. Adele is a famous British singer that's had a crossover effect here in the United States. And as I listened to her beautiful melody, I mean, I love some of the songs with Adele. They're very sad, but that sadness comes out of her pain and the fact that she's had love that's been dashed. She's had a broken heart. She's gone through depression. She's had so much going on in her heart that's not been successful. And then she recently got married and now divorced. And she went through such a spiral that it was hard for her even to get out of the house. And she even says she goes through the imposter syndrome, which is a singer who doesn't realize they they really are meriting the favor and the uh, praise that they have, but they kind of don't feel like they belong in the same audience of people who are the famous idols or singers. So she was talking about these things last night, but then I thought about how it floors me that our pain could generate such beauty and magnitude of some of the masterpieces of our lives. And even what I'm talking about tonight, it's a considerable amount of pain that I may have gone through, but as a result, hi Winnie and Pam, um, as a result of that, I just feel as though God is allowing things in my life to blossom. And so when the Lord put the word overflow in my spirit, I had to ponder it for some days because I wasn't really sure, sure where he was going with that. And on Saturday, I got some clarity. And by Sunday, after I left worship, I had had the understanding of what he wanted me to teach. And normally I would write notes all during the week. But after I did some things, after I came home from service, I started writing eight pages of handwritten, non-legible left-handed cursive writing that I do and other people in my family can't read it. And some days I can't read it either, but I was so excited and the flow of the spirit giving me understanding of what he wanted to teach was so on me that it was this incredible. And then today I ended up typing notes and I didn't even look at the notes that I had written. It was just coming out of me, but let me explain something. There are only going to be four scriptures tonight, Pam. It should be pretty easy. And what I want you to understand is that this came to me in the process of time, I may have gotten the word overflow, but what I realized is that during the course of the weeks and months preceding Reverend dying and during that death process, and then after the recovery, I will say of my grief, I'm realizing some things in these three different overflows. And I'm going to tell you what they mean and why they mean something personally to me. And I believe it's to help somebody. I don't know who it's going to help and how many it will help, but I know that God has put in my heart that it's going to help somebody. But I just wanted you to know that even as I talk about these three overflows, I'm talking about them in the order of importance. And I'm doing that because at the end, when I talk about the third, we in our life have something backwards. And instead of having the order of importance of the overflow that means something to God, we're focusing on one of the overflows to such an extent that we are being misguided by some of the priorities of our life. So I want to talk to the first overflow, and it's going to be the first scripture that I read to you. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Now, Hebrews 11, verse 6, when God brought this to my knowledge about the overflow, it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 
When, when somebody goes through long-term illness leading to a catastrophic death or tragedy in whatever way that it comes short time or long-term. And in the case of William, it was a long-term after his stroke, he had some recovery. And then toward the end of these last two years, he was going through two different critical life-threatening terminal illnesses at the same time. Knowing that you kind of think you're preparing for what's ahead, but you don't really know. And in the time of when we had the last probably two to three weeks of his life, what I will tell you that led to me understanding the overflow of faith is that by the time you're at the last few days of hospice, that person that is there is, is probably at the ebb of his transition, but you as the caregiver or the family members, you're at this state of emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion. You haven't really had any sleep. There's been no status quo of your life. There are things happening real time. And it, it, for me, I know a lot about medicine and things that were going on in his body as i I'm not a nurse, but I, they called me at the hospital. I'm the, the wife nurse, but I knew enough, but you're putting these situations where you're having to make literally life and death decisions with medications and what you should do and what you should not do and how you have to manage the care and also keep yourself in a place where you're taking care of yourself and trying to be supportive of others. Well, in your physical and emotional exhaustion, what I realize about the overflow of faith is that what you have poured in over the time of the weeks, months, years regarding the scriptures, who you understand God to be, what you understand his word to mean to you, his promises, his grace, his mercy, him being a company keeper, him having those things about saying that he will never leave you or forsake you. Those are what in the time of your exhaustion will come in the overflow of your faith because what you have in the natural is just not there anymore. You're just zonked. You're tired. You're just, you don't have any more. And even I think when you see that person at such a state of suffering, you're almost asking God, please have mercy, take them home, take them to heaven because you don't want them to suffer. And at the same time, you don't know how much more gas you have in your tank, but then there's something that comes upon you in the spirit. And I'm not being churchy when I say this, I'm just telling you that for those who've never gone through this, if you're not pouring in the things of the Lord in your life now for your future, when you get to that part where you're going through this catastrophic event, if you don't have the spirit of God in you, heaven helped you, heaven help you. That's all I'll tell you, because you need to understand that the matchless, unwavering companionship and mercy and kindness of God is all that you really have and the overflow of the faith. That's why God says you must, you must know that he exists. And it says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And in the moments of your crisis, whether it's death or tragedies of finance or relationship or whatever it is in your life, you have to seek him. You have to plead with him. William had this, um, he, he had these scriptures and these teachings and there are a lot of videos on YouTube. Well, after he initially died, it was hard for me, even though I have listened to pastors, Reverend Watts, Pastor Watts for years, it was hard for me. And I'm giving you my personal testimony. It was hard for me to go back into 
resurrection and experience that fellowship of believers learning of the Lord. And I tell you, if I cry, I'll get through it. Just pray for me. I'll get through it. It was hard for me because I'm used to hearing William teach. I was used to hearing him preach. I knew the things that he used to say in his mannerisms and his stories and those kind of things. But I had to realize that the word of God is not the messenger of God. It's the word. It's the truth. And in the overflow of that process of time, I got to a point where I could listen to Pastor Watts and pastors and on the Internet and people that were in Facebook and other places. But it took time. And um, what I will share with you, one of my neighbors, his name is Herb, and he just had his 79th birthday. As I was telling him, he doesn't do social media that often. And as we talk about the Lord, I was telling him what the Lord had put on my heart to teach. And I told him very quickly because I go over there doing a break of my work. And I was telling him the three and then I was I got up to leave. And he was doing something. I didn't notice he was blowing his nose. I thought he was just blowing his nose, but he had been touched by something. I said, he said, he said, come back. And I came back and I sat down and he said, I want to tell you something. He said, um, as you were talking about the overflows, I remember being a young child in Sunday school living in Pennsylvania. And the teacher would talk about how Christ was the rock. And as he was talking, he started tearing up and he said, cause he's gone through a time where he, he caught COVID before he was given the vaccine and he was, he's been in and out of the hospital since October with uh, pneumonia and different things and life threatening. And they didn't think he was going to make it and God didn't take him home and he's got work to do here. But he started tearing up and he said, he was trying to remember the song solid rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness on Christ. The solid rock I stand. And as he was saying bits and pieces of it, my, Watson training where all we knew was hymns and hymns and more hymns, acapella. I sang that song to him and, and he was so touched by it. And I said, Herb, I'm going to bring this in my teaching because as we go through the storms and valleys of our lives, it's the rock of Christ. It's him being our strength, our fortress, our everlasting portion. He's the one that's steady as things are happening in our lives and the storms are pushing us on one side and pushing us on the other side. And we feeling like we are just ready to just fall that constant surety assurance, blessed assurance, as we used to sing that Jesus is mine, that Jesus is not going to leave me by myself is, is a comfort. Um, that brings me to the second overflow, the overflow of praise and worship. Now, many of you know, for years, my lifetime almost, that I have been a person that worships God in song and praise. And even in the time before William was going to transition, I sing and I was singing and I was praising and I was saying the scriptures. And there are people in my life that have gone to be with the Lord or friends that I've known, elderly that I've known, that I just go before they transition, I just sing every hymn out of my guts that I can sing that God puts on my heart. And it's a comfort to them. And it was a comfort to William. After he passed, I would go to church and I would play music. Uh, we piped in music. So I would play songs from my streaming service or I would listen to music as I went to any place or I'd have it playing in the house. But the reality of what was happening was I was being a spectator. I, I can listen to music. I could 
sing. There's singing and then there's worshiping. I could sing along, but in reality, the Lord knew that I had not opened up my heart in the core of what was the pain of it to start praising and worshiping him. And this, I'm going to read this scripture uh, to you. And it says, uh, Psalm 150, it says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him for his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet, praise him with a harp and lyre, praise him with timbrel and dancing, praise him with string, strings and pipe, praise him with the clash of cymbals, praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Now, each one of those praises didn't give an opt out clause to me or to you to say, when you're going through trials and temptations, when you're going through tragedy and loss, when you're going through your heart being cut out with a sword, when you're going through fiery darts, when you're going through hell that you think whatever you're going through, it doesn't say you get to opt out of praise. I know that. And I, I knew that. But um, what I found is that it wasn't happening. And over time, I could sense Anita what's going on and I would continue to pray and I continue to work on the overflow of faith. Um, a dear friend of mine, a very close friend of mine was telling me a testimony of something in a service, a worship service. And he was sharing that he was emotionally moved by a song called Shout to the Lord. I'd never heard the song I've sung, but you know, over time, uh, at least the last two or three years, I haven't been listening to a lot of new music and worship. And I went to listen to this song on YouTube and I listened to the voice of the woman sing. And the first time I heard it, it was a nice worship song. And the second time I heard it, I listened some more. I listened some more. I think I listened to the song 10 times because I was I was trying to appreciate what moved him. And then probably around the 10th or 15th time of hearing the song, there were walls coming down in my spirit because um, I was listening to the movement of the music and the words she was praying and praising. And um, I realized that as I started to praise with her, the pain that was in the core, I mean, the core of me, uh, I was allowing it to come out as God's praise, his mercy, his grace was coming in. And as I saw that song, I guess as they, you know, everything is monitored on these social media, as they saw what I was playing over and over, it was giving me different songs to listen to. And that's why some of you see on my um, Facebook that I'll put a song because something will be recommended. And I heard Waymaker for the first time. And you say, how could she not hear Waymaker? Well, I hadn't, I hadn't heard Waymaker. And I listened to that very long 15 minute rendition of Waymaker. And I started listening to it and it says Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness. And there's a darkness and grief that uh, everybody goes through. And, and, um, but again, you're, you're having to recognize that you're praising him in his acts of power and the acts of power and his sanctuary and his surpassing greatness is even in your sorrow and in the things that you're going through. And I would hear songs and I taught you about when I 
heard about Jaira. And the part that was hard for me was to know that the contentment, that whatever you're going through in this life, whatever it is, that you have to be at a place to find yourself whole with Jesus alone. And in the overflow of faith, in my head, I was hearing it. I was saying it to you all as I was teaching because I was teaching the word of God and the spirit would give me the words to share with you. And in the praise and worship, Jaira was cutting me. It was cutting me. And I can hear Jaira now, now in March of 2022. But if you had talked to me in November, December, Jaira was really hard. It was just hard. It was a blessing, but it was a a cut down my heart because I was not at the point in my healing of the pruning to say Jesus was enough. Um, he is, he is, he is, he is. Um, but I can tell you that as you all are going through, maybe you won't be going through like I went through or other people go through we all have to get to the place that Christ is enough. And I'm not sure what the people or persons that I'm talking to today need, but I'm telling you that key things is for you to have an overflow of faith and trusting God and seeking him and believing that he exists and he loves you and he's there for you and he's, he's not forgotten you and you're not alone. And you have to get to the overflow of, of praising and worshiping him. Um, it's not easy. If I'm painting a picture that, that what goes on in our lives, all of us, all of us are different. Every time I listen to the news, I see somebody going through something. I see the people in Ukraine and I saw there was a man last week in the middle of the week. They had a, a man who his mother had died in the bombing at Ukraine and the, the news kept showing on a loop, him wailing with the tarp of his mom's body, but the tarp was full of blood and they just had his head and he was bowed down and he was just wailing and they kept putting it over and over and over again. And I wanted to say, what exactly are you wanting us to see and understand? Because I felt like we were invading this poor man's tragedy and loss. And Paul, probably many of us just passed by. We didn't stop and pray for his, his comfort. We just saw it as a news clip. And I think as some of us see people hurting in pain, some of us will pray. It's like that 80, 20 rule in church and worship. You have the 20 that are doing what the ministry of God and his word says. And then you have the people that are just kind of watching as spectators. So I wanted to share that with you because I want you to understand the overflow, uh, the power of the overflow of, of praise and worship. And I wanted us to go to the last one. And it's not a long milkshake Monday. Uh, the last one I'm going to say, it surprised me. And I don't want to say so much for you to get the impression of that this overflow is, is, is something that I'm cer certainly now some rich woman. I'm not, I don't want you to get it twisted at all. I'm not, but the overflow of blessings of treasures 
is the last one. The Lord showed William and I in the last few months. I'm sorry, my nose is running and I don't have a tissue and the dog is not going to bring one to me. Uh, so anyway, the overflow of blessings through the treasures of God. Treasures are not just financial, but there's a scripture, Malachi 3 and 10, that many of us have heard about tithes and offerings. And if you know William Helm and our family, we believe in giving unto the Lord sacrificially. And when we had it, we gave. When we didn't have, we gave. And so the scripture that I used to tell William when he was here, I said, you know, our cup is overflowing that God's windows of heaven, the floodgates of heaven are pouring out a blessing that we can't even contain it. Even faith saw it. All of us would see things happening. This is before he died. And he would always go up to that room in one of our houses on Oaklawn and he would pray for the safety and protection of our house. He would pray for the financial blessings. He would pray for the ministry. He would, I didn't say in that order, but he would just pray. And He'd always go to the mailbox expecting when he was wa- able to walk. Rev would go to the mailbox. He said, I'm waiting for a check. I'm waiting for a check. And we were like, and he would, I'm telling you, that man would come back with a check. But at the end of this last year, the Lord was allowing the devourers to send us checks. I'm telling you, I am not kidding you. The overflow of God's blessings through treasures I want y'all to understand the timing of it is not what any of us think. God is always on time. Yes, yes, yes. Put a period at the end. God is always on time. He's an on time God. When it comes to the windows of heaven and pouring out a blessing that you may not receive it, that is a unique thing that God himself will do in his own timing. Because we lost a house through the house bubble, whatever that was you want to call it. 10 years ago, we've lost cars, we've lost things, we've had money, we've had um, past due notices where money would have been great, but they didn't come at that time, but God made a way and we, we had our needs met, that's for sure. But, and we'd always say, wow, if this came, if this happened like this and this happened like this and Rev, you got this victory and we were able to do this, it would all work out and all the money would just flow. Didn't happen that way. Didn't happen that way at all. But this scripture says, Verse 10 of Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that's the Lord's house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates, some versions say the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And some versions say to you know, to, to receive it. I'm a living witness. When the overflow of God's blessings came to William and I, and this family, we are givers anyway, but God just gave us more to give. And at the time he received it, Rep was so sick. He couldn't really do anything with it. And I was in the caregiving mode. There's nothing I can really do. And, oh, we had a pandemic. We had like, okay, a trifecta there. And so but they, the blessings came, the floodgates opened and he just poured and poured and banks that had cheated and had settlements were sending, maybe it was $38. And then the car that we'd paid for, for years, they said, oh, well you overpaid or we did something and you shouldn't have got that much money or charges and it would come. I mean, 
the checks were coming in and it it may be little money, but it's like he was pouring. And then a case that we've been working on for 11 years where people said, no way, no way, no way. God said, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. This man of God is going to be blessed and it's going to be blessed by the people that tried to harm him. And I'm just telling you, the timing of God is not what you think. God's thoughts are far off from us and what he does to bless us. The reward of those who, who diligently seek him. We don't know when the rewards are coming, but they come because God's promises are true and faithful. So I wanted to tell you this because this is the reason why. From our youth until our old age, we focus on blessings from God. We focus on treasures. We focus on money, money, money. I want to have a house. I want to have a car. I want to have education. I want to have a bank account for my retirement. I want to have my needs met. I want to have my wants met. I want more shoes. I want more cars. I want more this, that, and the other. The reason why I tell you that this is the least of the priorities is because at the transition of this natural mortal life, none of that matters. You could give me a million dollars in the midst of that hospice. It would mean nothing. It's not going to make Rev better. It's not going to make his transition to heaven happen any more quickly than God wants it to happen. It's not going to make him suffer less. It's not going to do anything because he can't take one piece of treasure with him because that's not for heaven. So when we start to put our energy, our focus, our, all of what we have in our fiber, our inner fiber on things that are temporary, that won't make it to glory. I'm telling you now, You need to focus on the overflow of faith. You need to focus on God's word, his scripture, his promises, his truth, the spirit of the living God fall fresh on you. That's what you ask God to overflow. Ask him for more of him. Ask him for more knowledge of who he is. That's what's most important. I wouldn't lie to you because I'm telling you, I live this. And then what's tied together with it is his praise and the worship. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. As long as you have the breath in your body that God gives us every day, he gives those who he's chosen to give the breath of life. And the ones that he says it's time to go, you're going to lose it in his timing. But I want to make sure that you don't find yourself spending all your energy working to get the blessings of God without having the faith in God and having the understanding that he exists. He exists in your pain. He exists in your joy. I remember the scripture that we always hear, but I'm telling you the truth in somebody that's coming out of grief. Weeping endures, you know, during the night, but joy does come in the morning. And I'm telling you, That night feels so long sometimes and you're crying and I have cried y'all. I have cried and I've gone in that backyard and I've cried to God and I've asked God, help me. And William has that teaching on judgment. I believe, I don't know which one it was, but in the nighttime when it's first happened, I would listen to his teaching to hear his voice, but then I'd hear the word 
And I'd hear him say, call on, you know, that big booming voice that he had, call on him. I can't even say it right. But anyway, and I would find myself going to sleep, hearing him say, call on the Lord, call on the Lord. And I would get from that night cry and get into that joy in the morning. And I come to that patio and I come start praying to God and I started calling on him. And I would tell you, he would show up. He shows up when you call on the Lord and ask him to be with you, to ask him to reveal himself to you, to ask him to be faithful to his word. God shows up. God has showed up in friendship. God has showed up in, and, and my dear, I mean, my next door neighbor is become my brother in the Lord. We talk about the Lord almost six days a week. So I, seven days, he's got family at home, but when they're at work, I go check on Herb and we talk about the things of the Lord. Herb will cut off that TV and guess what? Herb is a Republican and I'm a Democrat, but we are Christians. That don't mean nothing. We talk about the things of God and, and we don't even let that other crap come in. We talk about the things of the Lord. And I thank God because when I called on the Lord to say, God, help me, I want somebody to talk to. I want to, I I didn't want to be in a place where I'm isolated and feeling lonely and feeling this. I wanted to do something for the Lord. And I tell you, he has expanded my territory in the name of Jesus. And there people must think, I think some of the people think Anita must be always thinking about me because she's calling, she's praying, she's encouraging me. I I tell you, probably I have 10 or 15 people that think that I only think about them. (laughs) And it's because God has put in my heart. If he puts my heart, I'm going to call Pam. I'm going to call Caddy. I'm going to call Winnie. Whoever he puts in my heart, I I want to be a blessing. I want this phase of my life to be a blessing. And I got to tell you all this too. I'm supposed to be short milkshake money, but hey, God will do what he do. There's a song. It's a secular song. It's by the Black Pumas. It's called Colors. And in this season of my life, I will play that song. And you know how it says praise and worship dance. I will start dancing to that song and I'm praising it because it says he, that he woke up, but he's saying, he talks about people and all his favorite colors. And I think of the peoples of God, the people from India, Makala, my family in India, that's going through persecution, my family in Pakistan, the family that is over in Africa, the family that all these countries that I have never and these places I've never, I don't even know how to pronounce half of the people that are following Milkshake Monday and joining and learning of the word of God. I don't know them, but God, I love you. I love you. I love you because colors of the peoples of God that want to praise Jesus. We have, I say this and I'm a broken record, but God, praise God. We are going to get to a place where all of us are going to look beyond the skin of us and we're going to love Christ's people as Christ loved us. He didn't look at our skin. He looked at our heart. He looked at the love that he had for each and every one of us. And so I sing this song when I put it on, it's on my morning worship playlist. That's, that's how serious I'm in. I go through this, this list, but colors is on there and I start to dance. And if I'm in my office, I start dancing. I'll put on one of my TVs and blast that uh, woofer and I'll just start dancing because God is so wonderful and so magnificent. There is a scripture I want to also put out there. So I gave you Hebrews eleven six. I gave you Psalm 150. I gave you Malachi 3 and 10. And this is the last one. It's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And many of you know it. It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. 
is the version I just read. And verse 34 says, don't worry. It says, you know, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. But 33 is the key. We have to seek first the kingdom. We have to seek first the overflow of the faith in God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to put the priority on seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. You're not seeking after treasures. You're not seeking after the things that you will have. You can have all of that stuff and still find yourself alone, depressed, feeling like you are just desperate and, and just feeling like you're failing and falling and you have no hope. But if you go and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and you get to know that God exists and that Jesus Christ is his beloved son and that he loves you. And if it was just you, he would have gotten on that cross. But guess what? It wasn't just you. It's all of us. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that wonderful love that he has for us, the overflowing love to the point that he got on the cross for all of us is so that we don't have to be like Adele and feel like we're so depressed because we lose a boyfriend or we lose boyfriends or husband. And I know it hurts. Losing love hurts, but you're never going to lose the love of God. He's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's never going to make you wonder, does he care? Is he listening? Because God is always going to love you. And it's not about your age and what you look like and what things you have or you don't have. Because with Jesus Christ, Christ plus nothing is everything. And it took me some time to rebound and get my footing on the solid rock again. I know that. And it's always a process, but I truly know that God has, I'm whole because of Christ. I'm not whole because of William Helm. I'm not whole because of faith in Albany. I'm not whole because of any treasure I have, any family, any job. I'm whole because Jesus Christ is my and your Lord and Savior. And what he is offering, the free gift of his salvation is so precious. It's so precious. And there's so many people hurting. And if we could just get to the place of understanding the overflow of faith and the overflow of what should be on our lips as the breath of life is in us about praise and worshiping him and just not being so focused on the overflow of the blessings, what a testimony we will have. And where Christ says in his word, the harvest is right, guys. Those people that are hurting, that don't know who Christ is, who want to know somebody love me, somebody care for me, somebody hold me, somebody let me know I'm important, I'm valued. We have it if we just open our mouth to tell them about having the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, letting them know who Christ is. We got it. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. I pray in the name of Jesus that those of us who say we love God, We'll do the great commission of Matthew 28. We'll go, no matter how you feel, go and share the gospel and make disciples because he said he would never leave us and he would be with us till the end of the age. And right now we're in a, we're living, we're here. So let's go out and do the work of the ministry of Christ through the Holy Spirit. I love you and Lord willing, I'll see you next week. God bless you.